This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about avoid notes. These are the notes that you maybe want to avoid when playing a certain chord in a chord progression, but I'm also going to talk about how I don't 100% actually even believe in them. You're going to like this episode. There's a lot to learn, but let's first cue the music. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Welcome. Thanks for being here and listening. Now, you could say that I've been trying to avoid, no pun intended, this episode for a long time. And that's because it's it's a little bit complicated to talk about this concept of avoid notes, which I'll go into in a second. Uh, but then if you remember back in episode 130, I did an Ask Me Anything session where listeners like you, you know, left me a voicemail uh, with, you know, questions. And so one of them that I held back was this question about avoid notes. So take a listen to this question here. Hi, Brent. This is Ralph calling from Düsseldorf, Germany, and I would like you to give us more insight on the avoid notes. You've mentioned them before, but I'm a little bit confused and maybe so are others. So um, thanks for your help. Bye. So Ralph asks a great question. Thanks for the question, Ralph. Uh, but <laughs> I, I knew that when he asked this question, I needed to dedicate a whole episode to it because there's just too much to talk about. It's just not a straightforward, easy answer. You see, my feelings about avoid notes are I understand where they come from. I understand why people want to talk about avoid notes because at the end of the day, we don't want to be hitting the quote unquote wrong notes when we're trying to take a solo, right? Like a lot of us, especially if you're a beginner or even intermediate improviser, like that's a big thing that you're trying to do is you're trying to hit the notes that really bring out the chords that, you know, don't sound dissonant and all that stuff, which is really important and valuable. So I get them. On the other hand, it's it's really not black and white because there's some cases where the quote unquote avoid notes, you should play them. And there's sometimes where if you're limiting yourself to not playing them, they aren't going to, you could be so much more effective and creative by using. I mean, there's a million things we can talk about. So, what I'm going to do in this episode is do my very best to explain avoid notes, what they are, and also how we should think about them in the right context. So, let's jump right into that. Let's jump into today's show. Okay, so avoid notes, what are they anyways? So in music academia, avoid notes have been brought up uh, as, a, as a concept to essentially outline or tell you what notes you should or shouldn't play on a given chord. Now, sometimes it's isolated, like you shouldn't play it 
you know, this particular note on this particular chord, or you shouldn't play this note if it's in the context of this chord progression. We'll talk about that a little bit in a second. Uh, but they're basically used to try to help you understand what notes to use and which ones not to use. Now, they're not just used in improvisation. I mean, they're also used in compositional ways. Like if you're building melodies, you know, composing melodies, what notes should you use over different chords, chord progressions? Uh, but they're, but in our case, we're going to be talking about improvisation, right? So I'm going to be honing in on that. Uh, this is a big can of worms, like I've already said. So I'm going to try to break this down. Let's just first talk about avoid notes in the most basic sense. Like, which notes should you avoid over just uh, single chords uh, just by themselves? So, for example, like, if we have a C major 7th chord, you know, we know there's a major scale, right? Right? So, again, if you don't know my my entire philosophy on, on scales, you know, scales are just pitch collections uh, to draw notes from, not necessarily to improvise from. But we know that we have these notes in the C major scale, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. And we also know that a major seventh chord, the formula is root major third, fifth major seventh. So some obvious avoid notes right off the top are, you know, don't go outside of those chord tones, you know, don't alter those chord tones. So for example, we wouldn't want to be landing on a flat seven, right? Because if we did that... It's, it's no longer a major seventh chord. We're not outlining a major seventh chord. It's now a, a C dominant seventh chord, right? Or, you know, if we're playing a C major seventh chord and you hit the flat third, that's what it's going to sound like. Now, that's actually a cool sounding chord, right? But it's, yeah, well, really what it is, is it becomes a C minor major seventh chord. That's why it sounds so cool, which we'll talk about that in a second too. But then you're not hitting a major seventh chord anymore, right? So there's these obvious ones, right? Where if you do that, it's going to change the chord. Or let's just use a minor chord, for example. Uh, we'll do C minor seven. I'm playing C minor nine there. Well, if you play a major third, right, then it's really just a dominant seventh chord, which is totally fine. You could substitute that, but you just have to know, well, now I'm not outlining a minor seventh chord anymore. Uh, at the same time, we just went over how well you wouldn't. You would think that you wouldn't want to play the the major seventh in a minor seventh chord because a formula for a minor seventh chord is root flat three fifth flat seven, right? So if we hit the major seventh, well, that's weird, right? Because that's not really the formula for the chord. But actually, the minor seven major seven chord is a very common chord. But then again, it depends on what context you're playing it. Like if you're in a two-five-one chord progression, maybe you don't want to play that for the two chord. You'd want to play it if it's a one chord. That'd be a little bit more appropriate. I mean, you can see how this gets really complicated already. But let's just keep going with this for a second. You know, let's talk about alterations over certain chords. Well, actually, before we talk about alterations, we'll talk about another chord tone. For example, on a C major seventh chord or any major seventh chord probably don't want to be landing on the fourth, right? Okay, that'd be the F natural. You probably don't want to be doing that because it, it just, the, the third is really what defines that chord. And now it becomes this ambiguous thing, this suspended major chord that's kind of weird, right? So when people talk about avoid notes, they talk about it in the context of, yeah, like if you hit that note, 
that might sound a little bit weird, right? That might sound a little bit dissonant, might sound unresolved. This is what people mean when they say avoid notes. Uh, and then, you know, let's talk about alterations for a second, right? If we have a G major seventh chord, we probably don't want to be hitting the flat nine. Okay, that, that alteration is going to sound weird over a major seventh chord. That's just not an alteration you'd use. It, it would sound, if you played that, this is what the chord would sound like. I mean, you hear that tension, or here's another voicing. Right, just, there's a lot of tension in that voicing. So, would you want to hit the flat nine? No, maybe not. But then again... Here's where it gets a little complicated in the first place. Then again, if we're just talking about just a, you know, no chord progression, just a single chord like that, does that mean that you absolutely cannot play the flat nine ever whenever you see a major seventh chord? Well, this is where I have a problem with avoid notes. I would say, no, I, I don't think that's true at all. In fact, if you use it as a passing tone, like a chromatic passing tone, it can work great. So if you have this line here and you go... That's just an example. I don't know. Something like that. Well, I went B, G, G sharp, which is the flat nine, right? Or A flat, whatever. Then A. Then B flat, which is uh, another avoid note, right? That's the flat three on the major seventh chord. And then resolved it to the third, which is B. So... Uh, uh, that's just an example, right? So I, I hit multiple avoid notes there in a chromatic passage. Uh, and can you do that? Of course you can do that. I mean, in jazz, chromaticism is something that we talk about all the time. So I think when people talk about avoid notes in the context of individual chords, they, they mean don't land on that particular note as a destination. Like you don't want to resolve to the flat nine. You might not want to resolve to the four, right? Because that's, that's gonna, that, that tension is going to be weird. On, in other cases, though, there are certain altered notes that you would want to resolve to. For example, if you resolve to a sharp 11... That's a major seven sharp eleven. That's that's a note that we can resolve to. That's a common alteration. The major seven sharp eleven chord. That's totally acceptable, right? So you can do that as well. But there's a certain notes that you wouldn't want to do. Like the flat nine is a great example. It just now again now on a dominant seventh chord, a, a flat nine would be a completely great note to do that on because in dominant seventh chords, flat nine is a common alteration that we can use. Then again, it all depends on the context of the chord. You know, I mean, if we're playing a, a B flat blues, now that's the one chord, the B flat seven, it's a dominant seventh chord, but it's in a blues, it's being treated as a one chord. Do we want to be landing on the flat nine there? No, not really, because the flat nine usually insinuates we're going to be moving to a one chord, right? Usually insinuates that it's a five going to a one. So if this B flat seven was five to a one or an E flat major seven, 
well, then that would make sense, right? So it's all about the context of the chord. That that's the problem with avoid notes. So you can go through them, and this is this is why I talk about it's important to know the chord tones, how to build chords, all this stuff. If you want to be a great improviser, because if you don't understand how to build chords, what the chord formulas are then knowing this stuff, you're going to be a little lost. And then if you don't know what the common and acceptable alterations are on them, you're also going to be a little bit lost. But even if you play the quote-unquote wrong notes, the quote-unquote avoid notes, if you do in such a way where they are resolving to a note that is acceptable, that is defining of the chord, then it could sound great, right? Kind of like that example I did with the major seventh chord where we hit the flat nine. We also, you know, we also hit the flat three or the sharp nine on that major seventh chord. I mean, you wouldn't normally hit those notes, but we didn't land on them. We used them as passing tones, and so they totally worked. Okay, so that's the example of individual chords and what you should think about and what you should know. All right. So again, just to summarize. It's not that you can't hit those notes. It's that you probably shouldn't land on them or resolve on them. And I think that's what people in music academia mean when they talk about this. Okay, so now let's talk about in the context of chord progressions. Because this is where I, I really think it gets a little bit a, a little bit gray, for sure. Uh, but I understand why people talk about them in the context of chord progressions because we want to be outlining chord progressions and, and, and hearing the chord changes, right? We all want to be doing that. So knowing avoid notes is one way to conceptualize doing that. Now, I will say that uh, a really great resource I'm going to link up in the show notes today, which you can find at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode Wow, I can't talk. Episode 132, 132. There's a great video by Rick Beato. If you don't know who Rick Beato is, he's a a great music producer. He's a great music theorist. He's a YouTuber, really big YouTuber. uh, And you can check him out. So this video is called Music Theory, Don't Avoid, Avoid Notes. So he, he really does a good job of walking you through avoid notes in the context of chord progressions and why they're used, but then also why you shouldn't necessarily pay attention to them. So I'm going to kind of, uh, I'm going to kind of go over just slightly something that he would talk about in that video, but I'll have that linked up in the show notes as well. If you want to check that out, cause he does a really great job. So for this example, let's do a two, five, one chord progression. I, we always do two, five, one chord progressions because they're hands down the the most popular chord progression you'll see in jazz. So we should definitely focus on those. Let's do the key of concert G major. So a two five one chord progression in concert G major is A minor seven, D seven, G major seven. So A minor seven, D seven, G major seven. Now for beginners. And, you know, those who are maybe just starting to get into jazz or just improvisation in general, you might know that, you know, over all those different chords, since we're in concert G major, that, you know, you could just play the G major scale, right? Right? Over top of that, A minor 7. There's no wrong notes if you play the G major scale. Same with the D7, right? And you could play, you know, G major 7, obviously, that... G major scale is going to sound good, right? Because there's not going to be a note where it's like, oh, you played the wrong note. It sounds bad, right? 
But the problem with that, of course, is you're not going to hear any difference between any of those chords. And really, that is what separates amateurs from the pros, is really being able to musically, melodically outline those chords. So when we talk about avoid notes, you know, for example, a lot of a lot of books will say, okay, over top of the two chord, in this case A minor seven, we don't want to hit the thirteenth. The okay, the thirteenth. What is the thirteenth? Now, first of all, that's what it sounds like. It's a really cool sounding chord. But the thirteenth is the F sharp. Now, what is the problem with that? Why can't we hit the 13th? Well, I'll argue to you in a second why you can't actually hit it, right? I mean, it goes down to that whole thing that the cliche people say, there's no wrong notes. Uh, in a way, that's true. But the reason why people say, you know, don't don't hit the 13th on a minor 7th chord, at least if it's in a 2-5-1 chord progression, right? Because if you hit it as a 1 chord, that's a little bit of a different story. It's a, a, res- a resolution to a 1 chord. But if it's a 2 chord in the context of a 2-5-1, you might not want to hit it because the 3rd of D7 is what? It's F sharp. So in other words, the third, which is the one of the most pivotal chord, you know, it's the third and the seventh are really strong chord tones, but it's the third really that defines the chords best. So therefore, if you're trying to outline a D7 and you're already still hitting, you just before we're hitting the 13th, the F sharp, you know, you're not going to hear much of a difference. So, you know... Right? I didn't hear any difference there. So A minor 7, and then D7. Right? There, there was no difference between them because we were outlining that F sharp from the very beginning. So you don't really hear the difference between all of that. So that's why they say avoid the, the 13th when it's a minor 7th chord acting as a 2 chord, right? Because what you want to hear is you want to hear that difference. So, for example, here's a, a major 2-5-1 lick over G major, okay? And, and this lick is completely diatonic, no chromatic notes. Basically, every note comes from the G major scale. So, sounds like this. Okay, so I'm basically going up the major scale and down the major scale. Now, if you were really listening, though, you could hear that five chord in there as opposed to the one chord and the two chord. Now, I'll go through it slowly, and you'll hear it. So essentially, this is what I did. I skipped the 13th on the on the minor seventh chord. So I go start on the, the flat third of the chord. That's C, C, D, E, Okay, then I skip that that 13th and go straight to G to A, the root. Okay, just going up the major scale. Then I'm coming back down. And then here I play that, that third, which is F sharp, the same as the 13th as the A minor chord, over top of the G7 chord. And resolve to the, the third of the G major seventh chord. So going up and down the major scale, but I'm skipping that 13th because I want that third of the D7 to come out. 
Just a really basic example there, but that's that's what people talk about when they say you know avoid notes in the context of a two five one chord progression or different chord progressions. You know minor seventh chord, avoid the thirteenth because that that thirteenth is the same as the third, which is of the five chord. So you're not going to hear the five chord if you're already hitting that thirteenth. But here's where again I have a little bit of a problem with avoid notes is. If you do want to use the 13th, because that's the sound you're going for, then why can't you do that? All you really need to do is add more tension and more more difference with the, the five chord. All, that's all you have to do is add more tension. So, for example, here's a... I'm just going to improvise something here. Here's that two chord with a sixth in it, or a 13th rather. So essentially what I was just messing around with there was hitting that 13th on the two chord. But then when I hit the five chord, I started hitting all those altered notes, right? I mean, we had the flat 13 there, the sharp 11, the sharp nine, the flat nine. You know, I was hitting a bunch of altered tones that just, you know, were not notes that are in the A minor seventh chord. There weren't chord tones in there. I mean, essentially, it almost sounded like we were going outside of the chord changes here. And the reason it sounded out is because we were hitting all these altered chord changes. But it differentiated that five chord easily from the two chord by simply doing that, by hitting all these altered notes that are acceptable in a dominant seventh chord, but aren't acceptable in a minor seventh chord. So to the ear, if I was able to transition melodically from that two chord to that five chord, that altered five chord, and then melodically resolve to the one chord, which I did, I ended up resolving, I believe, to the third of the G major seven, then it works, right? So that, so then really, should we avoid that 13th on the two chord? It, it really depends what you're going for, right? That first diatonic lick that I sent you, that, that I, uh, I played for you, well, if you're going to play like that, then sure, you could see why I would avoid the 13th there because I really want to hit that note when we get to the five chord. But if I want to get that 13th sound, that's okay too. I just have to approach the next chord differently. So that's why that's why these avoid notes aren't a hard and fast rule. They're simply things to consider, right? Again, if 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 the the dominant seventh chord is the one chord, well, that's a different context than if it's a five chord. Because if it's a if it's a five chord, we can hit all these altered notes to resolve to a to the one chord or to the next chord. But if it's not, if it's not a one a five chord or a secondary dominant. If it's not that, if it's the one chord, well then, do we want to resolve on a flat nine? Probably not, right? Probably not. That's going to sound really dissonant and unresolved. Kind of like if we have the major seventh chord, we don't really want to resolve on the four, right? 
because it's going to have this weird suspended sound and suspended needs to resolve. And if it doesn't resolve, it's not going to work very well, right? So they also say uh, avoid on the five chord, for example. We talked about the minor seventh chord. They say avoid the the four, the 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 suspended note, right? So uh, well, that's in the wrong key. Let's do okay. We're in G, so that's a G seven with a suspended suspended four in there. So it's that two minor. Okay, and that nice suspended sound resolving to the one. Now that sounds good as as a chord, but if we're improvising over top of that, think about it this way. What is the four of G? Okay, the four is a C. And what is the C to the two chord, the A minor? That's the minor third. Now, again, we talked about the thirds are really important. So if we're playing both the third and the 11th or the fourth in the G7, then we're playing the same note, which is C. So everything's going to sound like it melds together. We're not going to really hear the difference between those two chords. But if we approach those chords in such a way, we, we will be able to do that. So the rule is don't play the four over top of the G because it's not going to differentiate itself from the two chord. But if you play it in a certain way, you can do that if you wanted to, right? I mean, so there, there's all these things, you know, that are that are just, it's it's hard. I'm struggling here to completely completely express how this works here just because there really is no right or wrong notes it's all about how you resolve them but it is important to understand what avoid notes are because that can help you understand what not to use in a given context right or what not to resolve to to avoid dissonance or tension that may be unwanted okay so that's a summary of avoid notes uh, chord progressions, all that stuff. I hope that helped. That's just scratching the surface. But the main takeaway I want I want you to take away from all of this is understand what notes to avoid on different chords and in different chord progressions. Understand why. And I feel like I've explained that to you. But also understand that those rules, especially when it comes to improvisation, can be broken. And I don't want you to get too hung up on all this stuff. Just be knowledgeable and then figure out your own ways to express whatever colors you want so that you can hear those different chord changes come out. All right, that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I I hope that some of that helped you just understand avoid notes better, but also understand the complications with it as well. So now I don't do, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I don't do advertisement. You know, I certainly could uh, have sponsors on this show, but I just prefer to add more value to you with things that I truly believe are going to help you. So if you, if, if you don't mind a shameless plug here, if, if you are looking to understand jazz improvisation better and you just kind of want to get some of those more theoretical foundations, I want to suggest to you my ebook, Zero to Improv. Uh, it's just a book that helps you become a great jazz improviser from the ground up. So if you're interested in that, you want to look into it, learn a little bit more about it, you can go to zero to improv.com. Again, I don't like having sponsors on this show. I've turned them down. Uh, but you know, we have to pay for this show too. So that's how we do it. So if you're interested in that, and only if you think it's going to be helpful for you, 
feel free to check out that ebook. All right. So if you also have gotten value from the show and you just want a free way to give back, you can always do that by just simply leaving a rating and review for this podcast. Go to iTunes or your favorite podcast listening service. Leave a kind rating and review. Really appreciate it. Helps the show out. All right. We're going to have another episode of the podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. It's on next week. So I'll see you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.